Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. Well, today's episode is electrically related. We're going to talk about me, and we're going to talk about my electrical experience today. What do I do today? People ask all the time, Paul, do you just do podcasts? Do you just work for Encore? Do you ever actually strap the tools on? Well, I'm going to explain to you a little bit about what I do um, in after hours, okay, when I'm not wearing the corporate hat. Um, I still own an electrical contracting business here in Texas. It's Abernathy's Electrical Service, and I actually do service calls. Um, I don't do commercial stuff. I'm not interested in commercial. Um, At this stage in my career... Uh, I've owned electrical contracting businesses for years, all the way back when I started with my brother, uh, AA Electric, back in uh, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, I went through VICA, uh, went through uh, vocational school, uh, got inspired to go through that based on my brother's experience in school. Uh, so when I came along and I met his instructor, Bob Barrett, I fell in love with him. Uh, he became a second father to me. I excelled in the program, ended up winning some some big competitions and ended up being Virginia's youngest licensed electrician and then went on to become the master. And I, I just, I have a love for the trade. Uh, and so I did find that early on I had a, a love for the code portion of the NEC as well or the code portion of the trade. So I kind of focused in that direction, all while still doing electrical work. Uh, and my specialty, obviously, is I love troubleshooting. I literally love taking something where somebody's like, God, I don't know how to fix this. And then I come in and fix it. I actually do that a lot for even other electricians who don't want to give up on something. And I tell them, never give up. But then they'll call me in, and I'll come in, and I'll help them out a little bit. And uh, then they learn. I learn. And that's what it's all about, right? But... Let's talk back to the contracting. So I started out many years ago with AA Electric with my brother uh, in uh, in Charlottesville. Still there. My brother still runs that company. Um, and he's an amazing electrician. Uh, and I ended up going into that issue where, you know, brothers sometimes don't always work the best together. Uh, because we it's not about getting along. It's about different philosophies of direction for a company. So I ended up branching off and starting uh, electrical service specialists, uh, and I had that in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Out of respect for my brother, I, you know, my businesses moved about, uh, I guess, 100 miles away, maybe a little less, maybe not 165, 70 miles. Anyway, I moved away uh, and started my business there and was doing pretty good, uh, and I found that I was doing a lot of things. My wife was running the boarding kennel. That's a dog boarding, professional boarding kennel and grooming salon, not a breeding facility. And in that same building, I had my electrical contracting and consulting and, and, and all this good stuff. All in, I owned the corner acre uh, on a lot in the city, and I had the, I built a building there. Uh, and so I had my contracting working out of that, and then the other side of the building, she was running that business as well. Uh, I did that for 20 years um, and built up a good clientele with that. 
and then, of course, I was constantly doing codes and teaching. And then it wasn't long before I realized that as I hire, were hiring people, that I was doing better money-wise, financially-wise, speaking around the country on codes. And I started becoming a, a more knowledgeable in the codes, an expert in the code, I guess considered an expert in the code. And when we say code, we're saying national electrical code. And so uh, that's where I geared my business. And then ultimately left, uh, closed my business or sold it in 2007 and ended up going to work for the city of Richmond as their, uh, as an inspector, uh, head inspector, and then ended up being the plans examiner, chief plans examiner, and an engineer too uh, for the city. Uh, and then uh, ended up at Alexandria, Virginia, where I was a code supervisor. Uh, and then ultimately ended up in NEMA as electrical code specialist or the southern regional rep uh, for for NEMA. There's four of those reps out there. Uh, and then ultimately, um, in my interactions with a large corporation out in Texas, uh, I ended up moving my whole family, accepting a job in Texas and moving to Texas where I am now in McKinney, Texas. Uh, and I still work for that large corporation. It's a wire and cable manufacturer that is uh, located here in McKinney. And I'm their codes and standards guy. I handle all of that aspect of it. And then basically uh, am their person that handles all technical issues, whether it's in the field, uh, having to do with the code or our products or internally, uh, everything kind of funnels through my desk, all the standards and codes that we make products to and all that kind of stuff. So I have a team of people that work with me on that. Um, and then, of course, the other side that people don't know is that I still own a company called uh, Electrical Code Academy Incorporated, which many of you heard the podcast from, and I teach around the country still. Uh, I do a lot of webinars, training, mentoring, one-on-ones, uh, uh, seminars, uh, continuing ed. I, I do all that. But the I guess the other aspect that people aren't aware of is that I also am very active in the trade. So um, people say, well, your teachers don't necessarily are not doers. And that's might be the case out there, I guess, somewhere. But for me, uh, I still own an electrical contracting business. Um, a division of Electrical Code Academy uh, is the Abernathy Electrical Services. And so it's an active uh, electrical contracting business. But I mainly focus on service calls, service work, residential related. I don't get into commercial um, you know, I, I really try to focus on the residential thing, uh, if you will. Uh, there's others that want to do the commercial. I've been there, done that for years, uh, and my other companies. I'm just not into it. I don't need to do it because of the money, because obviously my full-time job uh, takes care of that, uh, or my teaching, or my uh, books, or whatever I have uh, that's coming in from that takes care of that. So why do I do the electrical stuff? Uh, because I can't help it. I love electricity. I love the concept. One of the proudest moments in my life was when I became a master electrician many years ago. Uh, and um, when I came to Texas, um, I was the expert, one of the experts to Texas for the exam development for master electricians, journeymen. For we have like seven different licenses in Texas for electricians. And I served on that committee. For one of the downsides is you sign a document saying that you you can't take your master's or get an electrical license in the state because you have inside knowledge of the exams. Well, 
those ZAMs get developed every couple of years. So I served as their expert. Uh, and so what happened was um, I had to petition in order to be able to take the exam, but I also had to stay away, you know, resign from the committee and, and stay away for over a year so that they could massage the standard and change some things. And, uh, and so that, that I could then be have enough time in there to be able to get my master's or go take my test. So I did that, and then I special petitioned uh, the director for TDLR, and he gave me a, an allowance. Obviously, there wasn't a question whether or not I could knew the code. Um, so I went and took the exam. Uh, obviously, that's all history now because I'm a master in, in Texas and in Virginia. Um, so I've had electrical contracting businesses for years. Um, there's some aspects of the business that I don't like, that I'd never liked. I hate bidding. That's why I like service work, because I just hate bidding. Um, because you never know if you left money on the table, and people say, I don't worry about that. Well, I don't care. I did worry about it. Um, or I charged too much, and I wanted to know why I didn't get the bid, and why somebody else did, or was it a, you just didn't like me, or I don't know. I just didn't work for me. Um Obviously, I had to do it, and I used software back when I was doing a lot of bidding. I used a Conest as a software, which is one of many. Um, but I used it in order to come up with my pricing. Some people do square footage. Uh, some people do $5 a square foot, whatever, whatever it is in your area. Um, and uh, so in, in my case, I stick towards the service in, service call, uh, you know, Rough in addition, you know, the, the small stuff. Well, I take on a uh, one family dwelling, uh, probably, but they have to be more conducive to my flexibility. In other words, I don't, I work for somebody during the week. So if you want me to come out, it's going to have to be after five, it's going to have to be on weekends. And I don't charge special rates. Uh, now, I won't come out after midnight, and it's emergency, then that's a different rate, obviously. But um, if I come out at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, you're going to get the same rate that somebody would charge during the day, where for other people, it would be after hours rate. Now, people also say, well, Paul, you worked all day, and now you want to go out and do more work? Are you, you, do you need the money that bad? And that's the reason I do do it. I don't need the money that bad. I literally enjoy going out and doing the service calls. Uh, again, I did one last night. It was a bad GFCI and a bad doorbell transformer. And the doorbell transformer, the reason it went bad is because of a, a, a connection that was being made in the the wire to the cable that was going from the doorbell to the actual front door. And the insulation was just really poor insulation, just dropping off. So it caused the two bare conductors to actually act like you're pushing the doorbell. So it caused the, the, the doorbell chimes to seize up and... Ultimately, that burn up the transformer. Uh, that's my my uh, analysis of the situation. So I went out there <coughs> last night and um, was there for about two hours. Uh, you know, not only fixing the GFCI but troubleshooting down the uh, doorbell circuit and in trying to isolate the conductors at the doorbell because it just was all bare. And I was able to create a wedge and get it in there, separate, get back to insulation, and oh, long story short. It worked, and I got it all working for them. Uh, so, you know, two hours. Um, now, when we talk about trucks, uh, things like that, now I've gone from where I've had multiple people working for me in multiple trucks to or vans 
uh, where I had every little piece of equipment on that van. I mean, I had extra switches, receptacles, screw. I mean, I had everything. I don't do that anymore. That's just my business model because I'm small. Um, I do have to make that trip to the Lowe's if it's after hours. Now, Lowe's is my preferable place to go. I will go to Home Depot, but I mean, I love Lowe's. Um, I have a Lowe's business account, so you get your discounts. And if you if you're signed up for Lowe's for Pros, they'll give they'll send you these coupons for ten percent off, and you get some Black Friday specials and all that good stuff. But I don't stock anything, uh, so I've got to make that trip. Now people say, well, that cuts into your profit. Well, it might, but you got to remember, you had to outlay money in order to buy that supplies. All I'm doing is using a little gas to go from here. And there's a Lowe's near you anywhere you go most of the time. Uh, now, if it's out in the county somewhere that's far away, then I do a little more prep work before I go. Find out, you know, ask a lot more questions. And then I might get some stuff because the beauty of it is it's much easier to take things back to Lowe's than it is to take back things sometimes to a supply house. You know, it's just the way it works. And um, But again, I have a supply house that I use here in the McKinney area, Elliott. And but when I'm not, uh, I mean, I utilize Lowe's for most of the stuff and they have most of the stuff I need. Um, so at any rate, um, if I'm going to do one out in the rural area, then I do a little more prep work knowing what I might need. And then I might go buy it, keep the receipt, go do it. If I didn't need it, then I uh, bring it back. Now, if I go out in the county and it's an application where there's no way I would need that have that on the truck. Okay, you got to use your own judgment. Then I might tell them, you know, and I'm going to have to go to the supply house or I'm going to have to go somewhere and you're going to pay for that time. Okay, um, they have two options. Um, they can uh, pay me up to this point and then when I come back, we'll start it over again uh, and I will give them a certain amount of credit. Uh, I don't want to get on to how I do those things. But anyway, if it's local and I'm within 10 miles of a... Uh, a uh, Lowe's or whatnot, then uh, I generally don't charge road time. Now, other people do, and that's awesome. Uh, I don't. So if I'm on a job from start to beginning, two and a half hours, uh, but half hour of that is is going from the site to the supply house and back, uh, I don't charge for that 30 minutes. Now, again, some people say, well, you're not going to be in business long if you do that. Well, you got to remember I'm not in this to be full-time business, okay? This is what I do to keep me engaged. I like to do the service. Now, some people say, well, you're taking work away from other contractors. Ah, forget you. I've got a license. i got some overhead. i got the license I have to renew. i got the insurance that I have to have. So I've got some overhead. Uh, you know what? It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I, you know, did I get the job and you didn't? Yep. So, uh but you also have to understand that you could have got the job from 8 a.m. till 5, and I'm not going to be able to do that job until after 5. So it's very selective for me uh, for what I do. So uh, that's the, that's one of the differences there. Um, so, uh, I, I, so I did a service call. Uh, I believe I might have one today. Uh, I got a call back, customer. Um and, you know, I still engage. I still work with the tools. I have a full set of tools. I have, I use one of those Craftsman 3 toolbox on wheel bins. And the bottom has all my, my um, 
tools like the Ryobis. I'm a Ryobi guy. So I have this reciprocal saw, circular saw, multi-purpose tool. Don't use that much. Um, have the uh, Roto Zip. Uh, all those good stuff that I need there. And of course, in the second one, I have some miscellaneous stuff, switches, receptacles, you know, some miscellaneous stuff that can fit in there. And then the top one, I have screws, different types of screws, 632s, 832s, sheetrock screws, whatever I need. Uh, I've got in there washers, what, now standoffs, whatever I need. <coughs> uh, just the basic stuff. Um, I used to have the vans that were just full of everything. And it seemed like I was spending more time buying stuff to have extras just in case I needed it was on a job. Uh, but then I started adding up the amount of cost that rolls around on my four wheels versus what it would take for me to do an assessment of a job, charge them for that, stop the clock, let the road time be on me, go get what I need, get back to the job, and then the clock starts again. I weighed the two in my analysis for my small-scale application now. Uh, I've, I've had the bigger application, the bigger company, small-scale now. Um, it came out better for me to just go get what I needed. That way, I just didn't keep a truck full of stuff that might sit in there, and I never use it for that one time when I need it. But then if you add up all that, I'm actually coming out. Now, got to remember now, product. I mark up my product. Uh, you know, anywhere from 35 to 40% um, in my markup to cover my road mile application. Um, if I stocked it on the truck, I probably wouldn't mark it up as much. But I got to have so many options on my truck. Uh, for example, last night, uh, if I had a thought that I would have needed a, a an ivory GFCI, which you would think is a standard ivory colored GFCI, in this case it was a white one. So somebody would say, well, why not carry a white one and an ivory in your truck? Well, if it's $15 each, I've got $30 tied up in those sitting on the truck. Um, and I get to the job site and I need one of those. I still got the other one just sitting there waiting. So you're saying, well, it's an investment. For me, it's not really the investment I want. I don't mind going to the supply house. They're open late. Um, now, what about if my call is 1 a.m., 2 in the morning? You know what? Okay, then you got me. But if I do an assessment, I go in there and I charge the people the time for my uh, diagnosis, or my diagnosis charge, uh, and then I say, all right, I found the problem. I'll come back in the morning with the supplies, and I'll fix it for you. So I'm not any road time involved. I've charged them for my time. Now, everybody's different. Some people charge the moment that they leave their shop. Uh, I, I just don't. That's just me. Now, it's not because I never did. It's just because I don't feel the need I have to do it today. Uh, I also don't charge a service fee to come out. Um, I just, I don't. I, I charge my hourly rate. And some people say, well, don't you charge a minimum of one hour? Yes. So theoretically, that is my service charge. If I come out and I'm on there one hour, you're still going to pay my, my hourly rate. But I don't charge a trip charge, I guess. And I have people that do that. I just recently had some HVAC work done, and a guy charged $79 for the trip charge. And, of course, any credit to the first hour if you did the work. Um, you know, usually when I get the calls for the service call stuff, I know I'm going to do the work. And it, to me, it's all about how you um, qualify the call when you talk to the customer. Um, 
that that's how I do it. Um, there is the aspect of where you do things from like thumbtack or uh, tackle or uh, home advisor or one of those others, which I don't really do. You never know what you're going to get. So you could get out there and then you get some and you diagnose it and they go, nah, I'm not paying that. Well, then you shot your time. So then, okay, I might understand that, you know, but I wouldn't call it a service fee. I just call it, you're going to pay one hour minimum whether you when I get to that site. So do you want me to diagnose it and then you tell me to leave and then you'll get the next guy to fix it? That's fine. I don't have a problem with that, but you're going to at least pay me that hour. All right. Um, so it's everybody's different. Everybody has their own way of doing it. That's just just how I do it. Um, I, again, I don't charge for my road time. It's just me. Uh, I do keep track of my mileage, so I can write that off. Um, but I don't. I, again, I don't charge for the road time. Uh, I make that up in my product markup for when I have to go get it. Now I don't gouge people, uh, and then I do have a break. Whereas if it's a four hundred dollar part, I'm still not charging. 35% or 40%. I mean, it's obviously less. Um, but generally for the stuff that we need to do in a service call application, uh, I'm going to mark it up about that. For example, uh, in some cases, it might even be a little higher. So if I pay $15 for a GFCI, then my price is going to be about $26. Okay. People say, well, that's, that's almost 50% or I'm like, yeah, but it's slightly less than 50%. Um, but I generally will, will look at each thing. And, of course, uh, that's just how I do it. You could do it differently. Um, obviously, the more overhead you have, the more help you have, the more labor you have, you know, people that are working for you. Uh, you know, I don't typically have workers' comp because it's just me. Um, I have uh, just regular insurance. Um, so everybody's a little different. Uh, that's not advice. I'm not giving anybody advice. Typically, if you're your own employee and you're your own individual, you're it, then you don't need workers' comp. Uh, if you get to over two or more, then I think you have to get workers' comp. It's not expensive, but I just, it's a decision that I made, right? So, anyway, so that's kind of how I do my business model. Uh, it might be different than everybody else. Now, the other big thing that I added to my company that I think is a pretty neat thing that um, uh, obviously others do it, but it's um, I recently purchased what's called a Samsung Note 9. I replaced my Samsung S7 Edge, uh, and I ended up selling that on uh, um, Marketplace, Facebook, locally for $200. Um, and that was all they were going to give me a trade-in for my Note 9, which was $999. They were going to give you a $200 trade-in. Well, the paperwork's crazy. So I was like, you know what? If I can sell my... It was looked like brand new. I always kept it in a case. So it's never any scratches on it. So I was able to sell it for $200. So it knocked that $999 down to $799. And then when I bought that phone, they gave me a free TV, which is an HD TV, 32-inch Samsung smart TV. Okay. So I ended up selling that on the marketplace uh, for $185, I believe. And so... You knock that off of it. So really, I got my phone for approximately $600, which is about the cost of a nice comparable phone. But the Note 9 was so much neater because it does have that stylus. I use the stylus to write notes on the screen, quick notes. It's a neat little note feature. 
Um, like if I need something from Supply House or somebody says something, I can just jot it right down. I think that's neat for me. Anyway, I don't always have paper handy. Um, and then the other thing is I have an app on my phone that does my invoices and estimating. And, I, you know, I probably will do a, a review of that on a video so that you can kind of see it, um, maybe. But that is the neatest freaking app. Uh, it makes my invoices instantly be able to text and email them. Uh, obviously, I use Square for my charge card stuff, which also has its own built-in invoicing. But when I do that, I usually will just send a blanket one that has the full price on it, not itemized. When I do the invoice through the app that I have on my phone, uh, which is an invoicing app, it's free. It's amazing. Can you have your graphic logo and everything? Uh, if you're interested more about that, email me. Uh, I'll tell you more about that app before I get a you know video out on it. Uh, but anyway... That is amazing because you can put in all your pre-stuff, instantly tap it in, and send it immediately to the customer showing it paid, and they give you a check, or you can even still use your credit card you know, and swipe your square and just put in the generic amount uh, and say, all right, your real invoice, you're going to get one from Square, but you're also your real invoice is the one that you're going to get. It'll have my logo and all the you know stuff that's on there. Um, so... Um, that you know, so that's what I do. Uh, most of the time, I'm you know I'm paid in, in check anyway. But if you, somebody wants to pay with credit card, you have that option for Square or whatever you use, PayPal, whatever you use. But this app that's on my phone, because the Note Nine is such a you know nice size screen, and of course that four thousand milliamp hour battery makes it. Go, I mean, I usually had to have uh, uh, an extra battery pack case like a Mophie on my S7 Edge, I don't need that anymore with my Note 9. I can literally, and I'm a heavy user, I can make it through the whole day with that full battery until I might, by the time I go to bed, I still have 35, 40% and I put it on the wireless charging and go to bed. Um, so that's a neat app. Um, if I think about it, maybe I'll put the name of it down in the com- you know, comment area uh, or the additional information area of this broadcast. Um, if I don't, then look for a video coming out soon. But the Note 9, but for me, I was able to knock that price down where it's affordable and I'm going to write it off anyway. And I was able to get a, you know sell my other phone. and everything. So it worked out for me. Might not work out for you. But I invest in it because it just made my life so much easier for estimating and invoicing. Uh, and it keeps track of everything. There's other apps out there, you know, so that's why maybe... I'm just talking in general. Uh, so I do that. So I was able to do my service call, tap in my stuff that I had really quickly, uh, and then uh, just uh, shoot it out for him. In fact, I already had done this when I went to the supply house or went to Lowe's and got the GFCI and the trans- doorbell transformer. I, I quickly tapped it, you know, put it in right there. So it was already in the invoice ready to go. So when I got to his location, I just boom, because I wasn't going to charge him for that. Uh, road time is my time, I like to say. Uh, that's why there's no expectation, so they don't feel like that clock is still ticking. Uh, I'm only paid for when I'm there. Now, again, every business model is different, but that's just mine. Uh, again, I'm not. If it might be different if I had a bigger business with bigger overhead. That's not what I'm in. Um, so it allowed me that time to put it in there and have it ready, so that boom, when I get there, I look professional, and I boom, and I say, "Here you go," and send it. And plus, you get to capture his email. Uh, or his or her email, so you can do any marketing if you want later. Um, uh, so, again, don't spam them, you know. But anyway, 
So that's kind of how I do it. I love my Note 9. It's snappy, quick. Um, I did go to Boost Mobile, which is $25. I have a special. Uh, might have elapsed by now, but it's a special uh, for $25, unlimited. Again, some it uses a Sprint Tower, so in Texas, it's very limited. It's not the best signal in the world, but they're getting better. Um, but for $25 unlimited, I can talk data unlimited. The only negative side to Sprint is you can't surf the internet or use your data while you're on the phone, uh, which can come in handy if you're talking to somebody, you put them on speaker, and then you want to go into something and look up something real quick. Um, that can be a bit of a problem, but I haven't really run into that. It's just a known limitation. Okay. Well, that's about it. Just wanted to do about a 30-minute video to talk about me. Yes, I'm an active electrician. Yes, I still work with the tools. Um, well, somebody asked me why I don't do commercial, and it's not because of not being able to do the commercial part of it, uh, especially service work, strip malls, things like that. And there's limitations um, in that I don't have lift trucks. I don't, I don't want to get into parking lot lighting. Some of those ceilings are really a lot higher, and I don't have the really, really high ladders. <clears throat> you know, like I said, I have telescoping ladders that get me 16 feet. Um, then I have little giants, you know, little you know, ladders that'll get me where I need to get. But I don't have the big stuff. Um, and then secondly, <clears throat> Texas, you have to charge sales tax if you do any type of remodel or repair in a commercial Whereas residential, you don't. You just charge the flat fee because you're paying taxes on the products you buy anyway. Um, and for residential, it doesn't matter new or repair. You don't charge the tax. Uh, you pay for the tax when you buy the product unless you want to get tax exempt. Um, whereas in the commercial, uh, new construction in commercial, you, you just treat it the same way. You can just do a flat pricing and, and, and lump everything in there and put your markup on your product and you don't have to pay sales tax. Uh, unless you are tax exempt and you don't pay it when you buy it. Now, I do. I pay full tax. Um, but since the commercial repair, like somebody were to call me out and have to fix a bunch of lights in a, in a retail space, I have to charge them sales tax on the labor and on the parts. And I'm just not into that. I, I don't want to do that. So I steer my business away from that where I'd have to pay that because, again, I'm paying my sales tax when I buy the product. I don't want to have to keep track of the sales tax. So I purposely don't go after that work. Okay, That's just a business model of mine. If you're getting started in the business, that might not be your business model. You want to do everything you can do. You want to make as much as you can make. You're, you're hungry. I'm not as hungry. So I can be very selective in what I do. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. That's kind of a nutshell. Yes, I'm still an active electrician. Yes, I work with the tools. Yes, I will troubleshoot anything with the best of them. Um, 30 years in it. I still love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. So while I have a pretty good job during the day and traveling around the country and got an upcoming book deal for three books that I'll be co-authoring some chapters on and life is good. Why do I still wear the suit and tie in the day and then immediately come home and run to somebody's house to fix their issues? Because I still love it. I can't, I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, I don't just talk the talk. I literally work with the tools and I love it. So 
Uh, I'll take on any challenge. Again, just not commercial stuff. I'm just not interested in it. Um, can I do it? Sure. Do I want to do it? Absolutely not. I don't want to. It's the sales tax part that I just don't want to deal with that hassle. Um, as far as the company goes, because um, Abernathy Electrical Services is a division of Electrical Code Academy Incorporated, which is a corporation here in Texas, and there's a lot of branches to it. The CMECP, Certified Master Electrical Code Professional Program, is underneath the uh, Electrical Code Academy. Uh, and, of course, then we have the mentoring wing that's underneath the Electrical Code Academy. Uh, everything funnels under it, but the Abernathy Electrical Services is simply a division of it. So I like to keep it that way. I don't want to get into the sales tax aspect of anything. So that's really the main reason why I don't do the commercial repair or service call stuff. Uh, my brother does a lot of that stuff. I, ju- I just don't do that. Anyway, that's a little bit about me. Um, yes, I still know how to turn a screwdriver. still know how to use a pair of clients. Am I a little older than I used to be? Yep. Am I a little slower than I might have used to be? Yeah, maybe, but I still seem to get up them steps pretty quick last night. Man, I was running. All right, I just don't believe in drawing my customer out and charging them more than necessary. It's just, you know what? I'm not undercutting anybody. I'm just, that's just my business model. Anyway, that's a little bit about me, folks. Um, Yes, visit my website if you want to see what we do. It's AbernathyElectricalServices.com. Um, and you'll see it's just a basic website uh, that talks about my electrical stuff as uh, far as contracting businesses. So anyway, till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is another.